Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, a show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son in that equation, Zach. And that makes me the father, Jim. Great to have you with us again today. Absolutely. Zach, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. The weather's been nicer. Things have been warming up as we get to spring. And I've got to say, I've been really enjoying it personally. What about you? How you doing, Dad? I am also doing well. And likewise, spring is a great time. Uh, We've got beautiful weather today. You know, it's, what, 81 degrees outside. It's beautiful, sunny. Mm -hmm. So let's just stay inside for the next three hours and do nothing except podcasting type stuff. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that we're reaching a new spring? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and not for many months. Oh. <laughs> what are you drinking today, Zach? Uh, just some whiskey and Sprite, but yours looks very interesting. It's got a nice blue. What are you drinking? I am drinking an electric iced tea. Ooh. It's got a lot of different boozes in it. So it's basically a Long Island iced tea, but crazier couple splashes of blue curacao for color and all the bubbles from the sprite so it's pretty cool it's got a little zap to it some zing as always the recipe and a picture is on the instagram and even though there's not a picture of zach's it's also in a cool wheel of time glass just like mine so we have a matching set nah at least today mine looks kind of cooler as opposed to me just drinking like spiked coffee well, it has been an exciting week for the podcast, Zach. Really? We've set record numbers on Whoa. downloads, on I'm, new listeners. It's just really shot up. Believe me, I'm actually more enthused than I sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're well beyond those five people that you thought might find our podcast someday. I know. It's, it literally blows my mind every time. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to all the new listeners who are with us. Now, if you're binging from the beginning... You're not hearing this shout out now, but trust me. We're still shouting you out. Yes. And this is, you know, mid-April. So if you joined us mid-April 2021, we talking about you. Internationally, we have downloads now from all six populated continents. So no downloads in Antarctica yet. Well, they might be VPNing through France like all those other people do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because France still leads our downloads worldwide i still sit on the side of maybe there's just a lot of french listeners it's possible yes but we challenge them to let us know and no one let us know they haven't yet okay not yet but we hit all six continents with people because we have downloads multiple downloads now from brazil that is our our final continent entering the podcast welcome brazilians we do not speak portuguese our apologies Brazil's not a continent, it's on South America, which is the continent. That's correct. I was not confused about that. Did it sound like No, I, I was... just wanted to specify so we so we knew we Brazil is a country. This young man next to me was a two-time school geography B champ. He knows his stuff. No, I went to the state B both times. I just, you know, didn't win. No, yeah, mailed it in once you got to the state. <laughs> it was a day off of school, and that's what I was there for. <laughs> Other new nations besides Brazil that have joined the podcast Mm -hmm. now, we've got listeners in Sri Lanka and the Philippines. Nice. And India, if I hadn't mentioned them before, I don't remember. I might have mentioned them once before. If you did, you mentioned them twice. There you go. Closer to home, a large number of new listeners have been added in both the U.S. and Canada. So we're thankful to have you all along. Absolutely. We also have a new review this week on Apple Podcasts. Nice to hear from y'all. Yeah, a five-star rating from Jake 
Chazrial. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. If we butchered your name, sorry, please don't change it to a one star. (laughs) He gave it the title Father Son Goals. And it's a great review. I'm going to go ahead and share. I don't promise that I will share every review anybody gives us. But when you're one of the few, the proud, the beginning ones, you get on a live (laughs) recording. So Um, he writes. It's also very funny, by the way. That's why I got to share it. Only a few episodes in, but I can guarantee a binge on the rest of the episodes available. I love the concept, and it plays well early. I enjoy the perspective Jim and Zach bring respectively. To new reading, be careful of the first couple episodes. (laughs) Yeah, he's right on that one. (laughs) We were still figuring out the whole spoiler light thing. They throw around a couple heavyweight spoilers. Oops. The only painful bit was Zach's pronunciation of women. And he put a laughing emoji. I had not thought of that in weeks. Nah, nah. I understand that dictionarily I am wrong. That being said, <laughs> I'm still going to say what I say. He puts down in the review, that's on the internet forever now. <laughs> I remember. He, and, they, and then, he, you know, he's humble. He mm-hmm. he shares your pain when he notices. I remember pronouncing recipe recipe in front of a class of my peers. Not fantastic. Jake, we have all been where you are. Yeah, I have those times we pronounce something, we think we're doing it right. The best is when you see a word you know, but you see it in print for the first time, and it doesn't line up, and yeah, Mm. you can just walk right into something. Oh, that's the word. Honestly, that's about 90% of the words I learned growing up, because my dad's vocabulary is relatively voluminous, so... And you're getting there clearly, Mr. Voluminous. When I walked into a whole bunch of words, especially as I went through high school and college, and I'm seeing actual words being used and going, I know that word, but did I know that word? (laughs) Never spelt it. Spelling's not my strong suit. Well, we just want to say thanks for the rating and review, Jake, and we're glad you're along for the ride with us. Welcome. One more comment before we get into today's content. Mm Mm-hmm. Early in our podcast, you often cracked jokes about Nynaeve thumping people. Well, yeah, she does. Yeah, you drop that again and again. And I've been listening to the series, uh, another listen through. It's my first time listening. I've read a lot of times, but listening on Audible. And I just got to a point in the fires of heaven where that comes up again. And I thought, Zach hasn't mentioned Nynaeve and thumping people a while. At the beginning, we need more naive thumping. At the beginning, she is very thump heavy, but there <laughs> is a period of time where she's a little less thumpery. There's a little like thumper no thumping, so she'll get back to it. All right, and so will I. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's get into this. We're at chapter 15 and a few we after that. We are. We get back to Rand Loyal and Huron. They're in that strange parallel world. Tracking the Dark Friends, who have the Horn of Valir and the Shader Logoth Dagger. Yes. They aren't sure how they ended up in this strange, faded-out place. But they do vaguely kind of understand maybe where they are. Thank you, Loyal. <laughs> they do figure, okay, we're stuck here. Ran can't get us out. We don't know how we got here. Our only chance, maybe, that makes sense is let's follow the Dark Friend Trail, because mm-hmm. they're here too. They must know a way in and probably the way out. Let's find them and hopefully get them to force, uh, hopefully force them to help us get out. And so they continue on their way, and the world is weird. The land that they're crossing over, it's barren, it's deserted. Huron still has that trail he can sent 
shifts, but it's weird and kind of faded, just like all the rest of the world. Yes. The grass, the trees, they're kind of just dead, not really out. there. I mean, um, uh, no, there's no uh, animals, no birds. Right, but the, I mean, the grass is alive. The trees are alive. But I imagine more like if we're used to a relatively green sloping grass, this is more just like an African savanna grass. It's it's alive, but it's not the right color. Hmm. Well, just that it's faded, washed out. Exactly. Yeah. But there is a deadness to it in that if you think of when you're out in the great outdoors, there's always noise. No yep. matter how quiet and peaceful it is, there's noise. There's always the buzzing of insects. There's bird song. There's just general background white noise. Well, I mean, a great example of how unsettling that is, is, oh, now I am not going to know the name of it. It's John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Great movie. Oh, yeah. The Quiet Place. Thank you. It's that, a, is, that is the name of it, isn't Quiet it? Place. A Quiet Place. There was a sequel. I haven't seen the sequel yet. I haven't seen the sequel Um, either. I mean to. But that's a perfect example of how unsettling things are when there's just silence. Right. And the the silence comes from the fact that while they've seen trees and grass, they haven't seen another living thing. Yeah. Just nothing. They appear to be the only animal type creatures. And so they hear their footsteps and brushing through the grass, but there's nothing else active out there. They come across, you know, besides that being a little strange, they uh-huh. also have these huge burned out areas, mm-hmm. like streaks, like a giant took a paintbrush and swapped <sighs> these burn strips. And they're massive, and nothing grows there at all. So there the ground's completely dead. But it doesn't seem like they're fresh, like they're old, ancient burn scars. Yeah, and it's really unnatural. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, like I think of when there's say a forest fire or something just out there, we often will to try and mitigate that make like controlled burns in these large swaths that this reminds me of. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely an intentional thing. It makes that line of burn break, and there's no real obvious sign of where this would have come from, especially when we don't see an activity of people. Right. Another strange thing here: they do find running water. Mm-hmm. Which I imagine also makes a little noise, you know, as it's bubbling along. That's got to be a relief. Hey, there is some noise, you know. Mm-hmm. But the water, thankfully, is drinkable. Rand tastes it first because he's like, if it's poisonous, I'm going to take responsibility. This is my team. I'll drink it first. It's fine. They can all drink, which is good. You, you got to have water to live. Yeah. But it tastes flat. You ever had water that tasted really flat? Yeah. Now, granted, I'm a little weird. I know some people who really love water. I'm not a huge fan flavor-wise. I find most of the time water is water, and I'm just kind of like, meh. So I'll find ways to drink water that isn't exactly water, like drinking way too much coffee and pretending that hydrates me. Well, then you'd probably really hate this water. Probably. Yeah. Again, an inexplicable mystery of this land. There is one sign of life, perhaps, that Rand detects a couple of times. And he doesn't bring it up to the others because he doesn't know exactly what it is, what it means. And so he thinks it might just confuse and stress them out, too. But up in the sky, he sees these thin white streaks, too straight to be natural, has no idea what they might be. To you, Zach, what do you think those were? Well, it makes me think of, like, contrails kind totally, of thing. Totally, totally. That's what I thought of. What would have been causing it? Where that's coming from? What it is? No clue. We know not enough about this world 
or what's going on in it to be able to decide. And as far as we understand, the closest parallel we can have is the world where they're coming from, where something like planes, definitely not a thing. Right? So I have no personal idea. So I'm going to go off on a theory on this here. Because okay. we've already established that this is a, a parallel world, a mirror world of some sort. Mm-hmm. Remembering the reference, Loyal mentioned, the, the lines of if, the mm-hmm. worlds that might be. Mm-hmm. So what if the burn scars are like leftover from laser blasts of some sort in some ancient war? And the contrails are leftover low satellites zipping through the atmosphere still. I think while technically possible, it's a bit of a reach without (laughs) any other information. Just Um, trying to put together some dots. We have no way to really know. I think there are, at least with the contrails, some things a little later on in the series that could be explanations. Can't go into too much detail on them. But we will learn some things eventually that maybe, but it has really just as much proof of being true as your random futuristic theory. It could be. Or ancient past theory, the wheel. It's one and the same. At one point, Loyal pulls up, gets off his horse, and goes up to a tree and uses his tree singing talent to get the gift of a quarter staff. Like the tree literally grows out a quarterstaff and drops it into his hand. Now, Rand has heard tree singing before. He knows what's going on. It's still amazing to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Huron, this is brand new. He's like, whoa. But Rand is really kind of surprised that Loyal made a weapon. Yeah. He's like, I didn't think Ogier used weapons. Now, to be fair, his weapon is a quarterstaff, so it's also a walking stick. And Loyal has no gear, does like walking. But Loyal does kind of confirm, Ogier don't usually like weapons. They don't do this. This place is just wrong. He wants a weapon because Mm -hmm. it's not right. So he didn't make a walking stick. He made a quarterstaff. He's the one that clarifies, this is a weapon. I felt I should have one. But he also mentions, you know, when I was singing to the tree, the tree is in tune with the land. Yeah. And... I could sense through the tree that the land itself was happy. A weapon was being made. Now, whether that's a good sign of, hey, maybe something good will be done with this weapon, or a bad sign of the land is somehow so tainted that it just wants evil and violence done, it says something about this world. Which way I'm not sure I fully fall. I feel like I lean more towards the world is somehow twisted. Mm. You know, I got to say, my drink is really good today. (laughs) Just really tasty. So find that recipe, people, and give it a shot. And I should clarify also for you, uh, listeners, with my drink recipes, the Long Island iced tea I did once upon a time, that was an old tried and true. But all the other ones, I'm pulling out brand new and fresh for these podcasts. I have not tried them ahead of time. You haven't tried them. Right. They are guinea pig first attempts. I think I'll like them. If I ever hit one that's really bad, I'll then put a retraction on Instagram or something. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. You haven't done any that you create yourself yet, though. They're all ones you find. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I I find them somewhere. Sometimes I I doctor them a little bit. Make them a little stronger? Uh, That's one way I doctor (laughs) them sometimes. That's true. All right. Got a weapon now. Gets back on the horse. They continue on following the trail. Around midday, Heron comments on something being 
off there <laughs> more are, than usual yeah people are so descriptive in this book it's great it's every time someone says something <laughs> it's just a vague description of something being wrong or off or weird it's like the world is changing and people don't know how to adapt yet can't they just say something is freaking wrong you know that's always it's off anyways it's something about the trail Mm-hmm. He can still sense it, but it's not like he's used to it anyway. And and it wasn't from the moment they started, but it seems to be getting worse. He says it's it's not so much that he can smell it. It's like he can remember it. Which is really weird for a sniffer, someone who's all their life been used to smelling violence and now is remembering it. And he doesn't like that at all. And he's mentioned uh, he's seeing lots of trails as they've been going, mm-hmm. even older trails mm-hmm. that also it's like he can remember them. There's a sense of things from the past. But he's also struggling here trying to describe this. Remembering isn't the perfect word. No, he doesn't but I, have words to describe what he says. I do love that Jordan here connects a sniffer, someone whose main sense is smell, basically, to this idea of memory because the human condition connects memory and scent so much already. We can just smell baking cookies and remember, oh, grandma baked me cookies as a kid, and it just takes you back to that time. But keep in mind, anytime you smell something and you know what it is, it's because of a memory. Exactly. Every single time. Otherwise, you smell something and you go, huh, what's that? And, you know, if it's the first time you've ever smelled mm-hmm. it, if you know what it is, it's tied to a memory. I just think it's it's really smart choosing to have it when it's off, be calling it remembering, even mm-hmm. though it's not the perfect descriptor for what Huron is experiencing. Sure. He's unsure. It's a really smart connection. It's a good thing you mentioned bacon as part of that. Uh, I didn't. Oh, you said baking. Baking cookies. I heard bacon. And I was wondering, bacon and cookies, how they go bacon, together. But, bacon, 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 bacon. Bacon is a smell we definitely enjoy, which is a good yeah. thing because I cook it almost every day. I enjoy it as long as it doesn't slide too much into the burnt bacon or oh, too much greased no, no, bacon no. smell. Um, I, and I, I rarely burn the bacon anymore. Again, I'm weird. Bacon has to be in moderation. I can only do so much. Well, since you next to never get up and have breakfast, that's not a problem for you. I mean, I'm often nowadays up, then I just don't eat it. Right. And I'll slip bacon into dinner sometimes. And mm-hmm. then there's those bacon-wrapped date Those things. are delicious. Oh, my goodness. We need to do those again. We feel. I feel like we're going on tangents of this episode. That's fine. You can either edit or people can enjoy us talking. Oh, no, talking. I think they like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But back to what's important. Rand gives Huron the encouragement he needs. He's, like, feeling unsettled here, but Rand's like, it's okay. Let's just keep following the scent the trail you remember and go for it and so they do and that's really in my brain rand trying to latch on to giving Huron hope yep. giving him direction and playing his role yeah, he saw that Huron needs the lord that's so right he's being the lord giving the encouragement and the direction that Huron needs to not break now here's the thing of what it's actually doing for rand though too if you are in the position of having to play the role of leader you will start to feel more like a leader yeah, I mean, there's a very much uh, confirmation bias, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yes. Every person who's a good leader feels like an imposter. And the longer they do the role that they're in to lead, the more they become feeling like a leader. It's almost like his day job is <laughs> helping people learn how to be better leaders. 
But this is a natural thing is what I'm saying. What Rand is feeling is very natural. Mm -hmm. The only leaders who don't feel like imposters are sucky leaders. Yes, because they feel entitled like I am supposed to be this. And we will run into lords like this this in this series for sure. Granted, that doesn't mean that Rand is a good leader. Just that he shares traits of what it would mean to be a good leader. And he, yeah, he's demonstrating one key trait that is definitely something you want a leader. He wants to do well by his people. Yeah. He does want to lead here and right. Okay. So I'm standing here saying I'm not necessarily going to say Rand is a good leader, but he potentially is on the way. By nightfall, they have failed to catch the dark friends. And here in comments, the trail has grown fainter. But it's still there. I can still remember it. It's just further back. Mm, Yep. They make camp, prepare to settle in for the night. Rand says, I'll take first watch. You guys hit the sack. And while they're sleeping, he does some things to keep himself occupied. He practices his sword forms. He keeps busy. But then he is visited by Baalzaman. Well, this blows things up for Rand. Because isn't Baalzaman dead? Yeah. Yeah. No. And so at first, of course, he thinks he must be dreaming. Because Baalzaman's dead. But things happen in this encounter that make it very clear to Rand by the end. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you weren't dreaming, and he's very much still alive. Also, let's just go for a second. In what world does Rand believe that if he's dreaming, that's proof that Baalzaman is actually dead? <laughs> Most of the time that he's talked to Baalzaman has been while he's dreaming. You'd think he'd know better. From the encounter, mostly conversation. Gets a little physical near the end, but mostly a conversation. We pick up some information. First, Baalzaman repeatedly calls Rand Luz Theron. He knows he's actually Randall Thor. Rand at one point tries to deny, I'm not Luz Theron, I'm Rand, and like clamps a hand over his mouth before he can spill who he really is. But Baalzaman says, no, 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 I I know know who you are. I just don't care. I know who you are right now. You're still Luz Theron. I know who you are. I know who you were. I know who you will always always be. And he says, I know who you've been all the way back to the beginning of time. So he doesn't just remember back to Luz Theron. What is he really saying there? Well, either Baalzaman is insane. Which could be. Or the world's a cycle. These things repeat. The dragon's always there. Rand's a dragon. Who knows? It's kind of a theory and theoretical here. But at least Baalzaman seems to imply that Rand or the idea of the dragon repeats back to the beginning of time. Okay, wait. I have a theory here. Okay, so Baalzaman could be Randall Thor slash Luz Theron's sidekick. And all through history, he's always there with him. Wait, are we saying this is a Bucky Winter Soldier situation? No, I'm saying Fantology Podcast is running a best sidekicks in fiction poll competition right now. And we are in it. And I am segueing into it. Look for their poll if you're listening when this drops, because we are in the runnings. We won our first bracket, by the way, yesterday. Yeah. And come vote for Fantasy for the Ages and our wonderful sidekick picks. No, we didn't pick Baalzaman because yeah. we hadn't thought of it yet. Well, and because while that's a great <laughs> plug and definitely go look at Phantology. I'll drop them in the, in the show notes. Um, no. <laughs> No, he is not a sidekick. I don't care he would reject if this is spoiler heavy or spoiler light or non-spoiler. I'm just going to say no. We're not doing that. Okay. Okay. I see how it is. That's fine. All right. Other things we learn. Not only does he say, I know you're Luce Theron, but I know you're the Dragon Reborn. 
I'm sorry, I'm not done with sidekick tangent oh, for a moment. okay, let's go. The entire idea of sidekicks is a little bit dumb and I think really offensive to the person who is a sidekick. It implies that the other person is actually more important, that the main character is a main character rather than each and every person being an integral and important part. If you are categorized as a sidekick, I am sorry to you because often I think you have just as much value, if not are more important than the main character. We just focus on the main character. Well, that's very profound, and I agree with you, and Robin. One of the most common ones <laughs> is, well, I'll get to that one. Uh, <laughs> like, are you not going to catch that? Come is on. <laughs> Samwise Gamgee, who oh, is often talked about as the epitome of a sidekick. sidekick. And yet, no. No, Sam deserves to be seen as a main character in his own right. But why do you He's not think a sidekick. a sidekick has to be a demeaning thing? That's what you're implying. To be yeah. a sidekick, you are lesser than. Would Samwise Gamgee be anything without Frodo? Yes. In the, in the tone of the story, no, he would not. He would be an awesome no, person no. all of his own. If you kill off Frodo, Sam could have continued to carry the ring all but the way But without Frodo in the first down. place, Sorry, Samwise Lord of the Rings. would have had no bearing or interest at all. Not necessarily. Sam was already a gardener for the Bagginses. It's totally possible Bilbo could have left it to him. Nah. Wow, you're elevating gardeners. I'm simply saying Sam is of a good enough character He's just as important and valid without the idea of he's just a sidekick. Episode 26. And let's go to the... Fantasy for the Ages tangents. You went off, call me Robin. First (laughs) off, that's implying I'm the sidekick. Ouch. Second off, Robin resents being just a sidekick when we're talking Dick Grayson one and goes off and becomes his own thing. And Nightwing, who is my all-time favorite DC character. Mm. Um, Sorry, DC. I like Marvel better. Did you know Brandon Sanderson has a Nightwing as well? Huh? He does. Brandon Sanderson has a Nightwing. You have to like read a the... character named Nightwing. Yes, yeah, so you have okay, to read the that's Reckoner where series. I was confused. I had no idea what you In were talking Reckoner about. In the Reckoner series, there's a great character called Nightwing. Well, yeah. maybe Nightwing will be my favorite Brandon Sanderson character too. No, he won't. Probably not. But <laughs> I really connect well, with an L adventure. I, I think right I now that. we're we're actually proving though we are fantasy for the ages. We are not just <laughs> Wheel of Time for the ages. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We're going places. All right, back on track. Baalzaman tells other things to Rand. Yes. He comments on this girl who tries to watch over Rand and that she's a poor guardian and weak. Rand's like, uh, girl watching over me? Is he mean Moraine? What? Maybe. What is he talking about, Zach? Well, I mean, there's kind of a whole talk of being an Aes Sedai and protecting from dreams and all that, or maybe guiding him on the right path or whatever, and Balsamon's feeling all high and mighty and saying, eh, eh, I don't care. You know, I want to introduce something else here, something that I think I'm safe drawing a connection to for our first-time readers. Maybe. Because it's due to an episode, uh, a chapter in our last episode. If you remember where Egwene had had dreams and she told Anaya about them. Of Anaya Sedai. The man with the burned face standing over Rand. uh I think that's what he's referencing. That he's also looking at, that's a real thing that's happening. It's not just a dream. There's more there. And Egwene's just a girl. She can't help you. But of course, Rand has no context. He doesn't know Egwene is dreaming about him or that there's anything going on there at all. I'd like to put just a little bit of weight of Egwene's just a girl. She can't help you. We'll get back to that. It's probably not true. Hint, hint. 
Baalzaman states again that some of the Aes Sedai are his followers, and then he even tosses shade at Moiraine. Perhaps she's one of mine as well. Maybe. Regardless, he says that as the Aes Sedai are trying to guide and use him, they're really serving Baalzaman's plans, whether they mean it or not. <laughs> yeah, you could uh, argue that Baalzaman, he's playing this great game. He's a super strategist. It's almost like I picked that lately on an episode of Takaran Riyadh. Go check them out, too. <laughs> <laughs> they will not be in the show notes this time because they're in the show notes of our last episode. Just go back and look. <laughs> he also speaks to Rand of the last battle. And he says it is coming and that Rand should serve Baalzaman because if he doesn't, he will be destroyed, and this time utterly destroyed. There will be no more of the patterns spinning him back out. The wheel will be broken when Baalzaman and Shaitan win this time, and the world's oh. going to be remade completely. So if he doesn't serve, he will be gone. And I think you right there made a- an assumption. Did you feel the room shake well, when I said sh- Shaitan? No, it would have been just you. Uh, <laughs> That's true. You made an implication, though, that Moraine has uh, said, but Rand doesn't believe. Rand believes Baalzman, Shaitan, same person. Baalzman, it's written two different sentences. Serve me, serve Shaitan, or be destroyed forever. Mm-hmm. You could say that's in Rand's mind. He's still saying the two same entities. But you could also read into it and go, no, no, he's separating. Shaitan is different. I mean, if I say, take the trash out for me, Take the trash out for dad. It is a good thing to do. It doesn't mean two separate things necessarily. It Not necessarily. So but serve it... me, serve Shaitan, or be destroyed forever. It could, could be mean the, the same, same thing. thing. It also could be two totally separate entities. That's right. Take the trash out for me. Serve mom. <laughs> I feel or like that's be a... destroyed forever. I feel like that's a more compelling <laughs> argument. <laughs> All right. But Alzaman, he's been wearing this mask the whole time. Yeah. Okay, with the fiery eyes and all. He takes the mask off. He's like, hey, would you like to see what I look like? And Rand's like, no, but You want to yep. see how I got these scars? Yeah. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. He takes the mask off. He is horribly burned and scarred under there. But there's cracks in the scabbing scars where Rand can see there is fresh new skin growing from underneath. Plot twist. But Alzaman is the Phantom of the Opera. That was weird. Anyway. Don't you know the music? Oh, I do. It just, you picked a weird spot to start. (laughs) Uh, The point of seeing the face and seeing the fresh skin is that sense that, okay, yeah, you maybe did something to me, but I'm coming back, baby. Balsamon then blossoms with flame that threatens to consume Rand. Rand drew his sword way back at the beginning. He's been holding it the whole time. With that flame, the sword gets super hot, and Rand feels pain in his hand from it and drops it. One of the uh, most undervalued spells in Dungeons & Dragons, heat metal, right there. Ooh, nice one. That wasn't around back in the day I played Dungeons & Dragons. It's been around a while, but it's definitely one of the underrated 5e spells. It's not thought of very often, but it's very powerful and very creative in its uses. My last time as an official dungeon master of a real game had to be like 34 years ago. So My last time will be in a few hours. <laughs> it won't be the last oh, time. Oh, you are remembering like Huron. We'll get there. <laughs> Anyways, after Rand drops the sword, the flames don't stop. 
his clothes start smoking and then burning and then he's even being consumed by the flame and he screams stop drop roll and he reaches out for sidine and then poof everything's gone Woo-hoo. the fire's gone the burning's gone even balzaman's gone is everything gone yeah, you'd almost be able to think, oh, I dreamed it all, except, ow! There's still a pain in his hand. Yeah, and he looks at his hand, and his hand is branded with the shape of a heron, just like is on the hilt yeah. of the sword. Because it's a heron-marked sword, meaning we learned before, it has a heron etched into the sword and mm-hmm. on the hilt. He now has this burn right into the flesh of his palm. Now, it's a very minor detail, and it probably doesn't matter. But I want to know stylistically both what you think it is and what you think the show will do. Is it etched in or is it raised out? Because that would make two different burn patterns. One being the burn nah. is the heron and one is the hand is burned and it's not burned where the heron is. No, it, it's a brand. Therefore, yeah. it's burned where the heron is. So you would think then and that's gonna it's raise. not etched in. It is the sword has the heron raised, not etched. Yes. Very slight, yeah, no, because you don't want to affect the the grip. It's just it. It's a stylistic thing that is important for what does the pattern do and what does that tell us about the sword. I had never I thought deeply about that, but way. I hear what you're saying. I think it could go either way, but I just wanted to know which way you think of it. Okay, so that's the end of the chapter, except that as it's ending, Rand is having a final thought. All of what Alzaman did, what he said, what he egged me to, he wanted me to channel. Because that's when everything went away. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to do that. He wanted to tempt me with the power and make me channel. Just like Moraine and the Amerlin, they want me to channel too. Different reasons, but everybody wants me to channel. I am not going to channel. He rejects that. And that's the right. thought that we leave the chapter with. Now, that was the first chapter, and we're 36 minutes into the podcast. We had a lot of tangents. Yeah, Let's you know, get going. Chapter 16, In the Mirror of Darkness. Ooh. It starts with Rand waking the other two. It's daybreak now. Time to get going. He'd not yeah. bother to wake them up for the watch. Huron is not very happy with them. He's like, Lord Rand, you can't be doing this. You're going to burn yourself out. He's like, no, nah, it's all right. I needed to think. I needed time. And he did. He had to think about all this stuff with Balzaman, but he doesn't tell them about that. However, Loyal notices Rand has his right hand wrapped now. He's like, what'd you do? Yeah, what happened? Oh, it's nothing. Well, I mean, I have a salve. If there's something wrong, it's nothing. And we have another little hurt puppy moment. Loyal's like, well, no need to be touchy. Yep, the eyebrow ears droop. (laughs) Rand's like, we need to get going. We have to catch up with Fane and his dark friends, which is an interesting thing. Rand had already thought about this last night in his thinking that things have shifted a little bit. It's not Fane... And the Dark Friends. They're now thinking of him as Fane's Fane's Dark dark Friends. friends. You know, something has changed. Clearly, you know, Fane is not what Fane used to be. And it's changing all the perceptions. But okay, they commence following the trail again. Rand noticing, once again, how empty this world is. Even though they're following the trail, Huron remembers (laughs) there are no physical tracks. No, it's just very weird there's no sign that anyone has been here beyond his remembrance. right no smell. footprints no hoof prints nothing but they keep going and about an hour and they see some sort of weird spire yeah something not natural yeah so hey another sign there have been people here 
And, and I uh, say another sign because, you know, back where they first started, there was the place that was, uh, you know, a bowl with the steps and all. Somebody built that. Well, here's something else. And, well, Huron gives a possible explanation of what it kind of could be. Mm-hmm. He notes, you know, if we were in our world, that's, you know, that direction is about where a monument to Archer Hawkwing's victory over the Trollocs, it's where that would have been. I mean, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it, was it was torn down torn a long down. time ago. But I mean, people remember it. It's it's a thing, and it's still a big mound there. But then here in second guesses, going, but no, I mean, yeah, it's that direction. But that would be like another three or four days away. Whereas this looks like it's like an hour or two away. Yeah, loyal puzzles. How there can be some sort of monument or anything here when there doesn't appear to be any people at all? Huron says, you know, yeah, maybe on second thought, we should give whatever that thing is a wide berth. Something's not right here. But Rand says, no, gotta stick with the trail. We cannot lose the trail. Huron, he looks a little oddly at Rand here, and Rand goes, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be a lord. Lords don't explain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell him why we're going to stick with the trail. I just need to be Picard here and say, make it so. (laughs) He says, make it so. And Huron smiles like a happy puppy now. <laughs> so apparently this is Rand and the puppies. Is that, that what we're going with? We got a couple of puppies. Yep. There you go. We've got our uh, bloodhound and our Labrador retriever. It's actually very accurate for these two side characters. Sidekicks? These two no, side they characters. Are, they are valid characters in their own right. <laughs> because when Rand does what he's supposed to, they are happy and smile. And when Rand speaks harshly or speaks oddly... You know, they look upset and whimpering. So they're, they're puppies. It's a moment of extreme stress, and they're putting all of that kind of on his shoulders. So they head straight towards this spire, because that is where the trail is leading. And as it gets closer, Rand thinks he can make out a, a hawk's likeness at the top. It is Hawkwing's monument, he concludes, Ooh. somehow still existing in this world. And he's excited. He's like, let's go. Let's go see this thing. And he takes off at a gallop. Even though Loyal's saying, oh, Rand, wait, wait a second. Uh, Loyal has thought of something he wants to share, but Rand is, nope, I'm headed. He doesn't even, it's like Loyal didn't say anything. And upon arriving, he f- does not find what he thought he was going to find. No, in fact, it is a monument to victory. Yeah, just very different. <laughs> it's not a hawk on top. No, it's not. It's a raven. Hmm. In fact, it's one of the Dark One's eyes kind of raven. Yeah, that's what we've learned about ravens. There is a hawk, but it's down at the bottom on its back with a lightning bolt through it and a couple of, and this is all statue stuff, but yeah. a couple of ravens pecking its eyes out. And the monument itself <laughs> is covered with various symbols of Trolloc clans, things Rand has seen, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. both with the Trollocs and with land coming back and showing these were the badges. Kind this of things. is clearly a monument celebrating the Trollocs' great win over Arthur Hawkwing. Oops. What the heck? And Loyal and Huron, you know, they, they both catch up here. And Loyal's like, hmm, yeah. Remember that thing about the lines of if? The worlds that might be? Well, in this world, the might is that, you know, maybe the Trollocs won. And, uh, hmm, this is how the world might have turned out then. And Rand's like, yeah, but where where are the people? Well, where are the Trollocs? And it's like, well, you know, the Trollocs maybe ate all the people and then started eating the Trollocs. Yeah, started eating themselves. Maybe they are all gone. But tied to this, Loyal also says, you know, 
this is a shadow of the real world. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if we're saying, okay, the Trollocs won here, well, that is not how it really happened. While we're saying this is a world of if, it's more of a reflection through a tinted not a reflection, a refraction hmm, of our world. Good word, a refraction. Uh, so it's not nearly it's, as clear. It's this fadedness because it's not quite in line with reality. It is decidedly not exactly real. Huron speaks up at this point while Loyal and Rand are talking about this and says, um, I, I saw something move back the way we came. Um, I, I could swear it was a woman. I, I can't Huron, see her now, but... If you're stressed and lonely, don't be making up things about seeing women. I'm seeing women. Uh, and then he's like, oh, and, uh, okay, it must have just been the wind. It's this place. It's giving me the heebie-jeebies. I, I, yeah, never mind, Lord Rand. And Loyal raises another unsettling topic. He says, um, look, look where we're headed. Look to the south. Rand, what do you see out there that looks off? And Rand's like, Why, well, it's the, the mountains. The, well, no, first, he, actually, he just says, well, the, the land, the fadedness. I mean, it's still just all barren plain. And he's like, yeah, but... This is loyal then. Yeah, but look at the mountains. Uh-huh. You see that? The Especially those peaks right there? Yeah. That's Kinslayer's Dagger. Oh. That's, in our world, a hundred leagues from where we started. There should be no way we are at this point, but that looks like we'll get there before nightfall. Oh. And Rand then postulates, okay, wow. If we've made it this far in just three days... Maybe this place has some of the properties of the ways. They have some experience with extra-dimensional spaces. You're traveling far faster than you should be able to. Loyal doesn't care for that too much. <laughs> Weird quick alternate theory. Yes? So, you talked about these burn swatches being laser-beamed. As a possibility. What if an additional possibility it's semi-burned up and messed up because it's basically a fold there therein of space-time? So on the... It's a tesseract? Well, not exactly. The portions that are not burned, they travel over like they're normal. But the portions that are burned, they're traveling through compressed space. It's another theory. Has no grounds. <laughs> but it's fun. Well, Loyal, he's like, okay, if, if this place has any similarity to the ways, do you recall how easily it is to die if you misstep in the ways? Yeah, let's hope there's not a mash and chin here. And, and that there's not a place where if we take the wrong turn... We'll, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Assuming there and is a then at the bottom. they hear a scream in the distance. Ah. And it's a woman's scream. Scream. Which, a woman's scream. I'm like, no, no, no it's, it's not her, a it's, scream. It's her womanly scream. Have I mentioned how nice this drink is? <laughs> yeah. You haven't drank that much yet. No, I haven't, but... Hmm. Okay, a scream, but it's not where Huron saw a woman. No, they're hearing it ahead of them as opposed to behind them. Right, and there's no way someone snuck around them. They haven't been here that long for that to have happened, but there's a woman out there. And Rand takes off. He, like, hits the horse. Yeah, you know, and off they go. In Rand's mind, chivalry is not dead. Loyal's like, we just talked about the ways and the danger, Rand. But, but you Loyal, know, a woman. That's right. I have to help a woman. And he finds the woman. Finds her standing in a stream with her horse. They're backed up against the far bank. And she has a, a big branch that she's, like, clearly broken off a nearby tree. And she's holding it to fend off. A creature. I love this creature. I do too. It's a frog as big of a 
big as a bear, or if a bear had a frog's gray-green hide, something like that. It's got three eyes. It's, I think it's got more, like, clawedness to it than yeah. webbed feet yeah. as well. It's just... It's a nasty little creature. Rand, he just prepares his bow and shoots an arrow at it. And it turns to him and charges. That's fine. Rand prepares to shoot again, and the woman, surprisingly calm, yells out, You must hit it in the eye to kill it. Which one? <laughs> yeah, three eyes. So Rand seeks the calm of the void, which is how he does his best shooting. He Take doesn't shot. want to do that, because when he goes to the void, that's where he sends yeah. his Sidene, which he has said, I'm not going to touch Sidene. It's much easier to touch Sidene in there. But he manages this time to push it away, and he takes the shot in the void, and bam, creature go down. Nice shot, man. And that's what the woman says. She rides up to him, complimenting his shooting and his bravery that he he didn't run away. He stood his ground against this Grolm. It probably get the helps. Name. Grolm. Probably helps that Rand has a massive bow and could shoot this <laughs> thing from like 150 feet out at least if he's actually Still, got the aim for it. He doesn't have to just hit the thing. He's got to hit it in the eye. A moving you know, target it's a hit in the eye. ridiculously hard shot, but he's got the equipment to do it if he can do the skill. Now, this woman... They've seen nothing else living this whole time they've been here. And now they see a grom. Again, that's what she said it the is. The frog bear. And the frog bear. It's the freer. Frere. The, 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 the biog. Frog. <laughs> and this woman. Let's talk about this woman. She's dressed all in white with a silver belt and silver boots. To Rand, she appears maybe Nynaeve's age. So, you know, just a little older than him. She's tall for a woman, perhaps just a hand shorter than Rand, who we know is very tall. Mm -hmm. And she is clearly the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. He is like struck dumb at her beauty. And Huron and Loyal come up and have the same effect on them. <laughs> they become babbling idiots here. Mm -hmm. It's an Animaniacs hello nurse moment and i don't get that reference uh, i've heard animaniacs? of the animaniacs but no i have not watched them oh. that has not been my tv that's before my time and i know it she addresses randa's my lord and says are these your retainers and he's like no no these are my friends introduces loyal and huron and she says i am called Celine." And saying How that Rand proper. risked her life to save hers, she is his, and she kneels before him. That's unsettling. It's like, blah, 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 blah. He is horrified and embarrassed at this gorgeous woman kneeling at his feet and quickly raises her back. Oh, he's blushing. He's oh, blushing my goodness. Hard. And he says some very proper Shannarin type phrase. At least he's he like, tries. I feel like an idiot here. And then I'm humored when it says, Her dark eyes made him feel as if he were naked. Unbidden, the thought comes of Celine with no clothes. <laughs> and then he blushes again. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Do you ever have a reaction like that to seeing a pretty lady? No. No, me neither. It's, it's kind of like really aggressively thought that. I'm sure some people do, but... Maybe we've never seen anyone this unbelievably I mean, beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I've definitely pictured what people look like without clothes. That's definitely <laughs> a strategy you do when you're trying to like public speak and stuff. I haven't had to do it's something like that in a long time. It's not helping his public speaking. No. No. No, it's actually no. harming it. Quite. 
In conversation, then, as Rand tries to get over his own two feet, Celine shares she is from Kyrian and doesn't know how she came to be here. She was out for a ride. She stopped to take a nap and woke up here. <gasps> Me too! Mm. She hasn't seen anything living except the Grom and a few other creatures like them. Me too! No, they hadn't seen any Grom Yeah, but before. they only saw the Grom. <laughs> now she hopes Rand, will you help me get home? And he insists that, of course, of course, of course we of will course. help you. But first we have to catch the men we're tracking. because yes. you know we're tracking something very important. We have to catch them. And just as important, that's the only way we know maybe to get out. And then Huron, he's such a babbling fool as well. He's like, yes, uh, Trollocs, Dark Friends, the Horn of Valir, you know. It's Rand's un- like, oh, dude, did we have to spill everything? You know, it's really unnatural how much they're willing to spill here. You know, pretty lady loosens tongues, apparently. Uh. Rand insists, Celine, okay. The Horn of Valir? You gotta keep that a secret. When we get you back to your world, please, don't spread that around. Everyone will be wanting it then, and it'll just be chaos. Hey, Rand, you're a dumbass. If you want something to stay secret, don't tell someone it's a secret. It's not the Horn of Valir. It's just my French horn that gets confused all the time with it. Yeah. Which is a story. better. Well, she agrees to keep Rand's secret. Of course she does. She just says, as long as I can touch it. So, Celine rides beside Rand then as they continue on after the trail and they chat she does most of the chatting and she talks about the horn and she speaks of legends that will surround the man who sounds the horn and Rand's like ah, yeah I don't want any legends that ain't me but she comes back but all men desire greatness and you could be the greatest of the age yeah i'm not sure i want that she's getting actually a little unsettled here because the more she talks the more she he's like this is what the eyes said i want yeah you're sounding a lot like moraine i don't want to be the dragon reborn she comments on his wrapped hand at this point and before he can stop her she reaches over takes his hand unwraps it He's partly like, stop, and partly like, she's holding my hand. <laughs> and she says, I've got an ointment. Doesn't say anything about the branded heron on it. Mm-hmm. Just, I've got something for that. And she gets out an ointment, and she rubs it in. And as she does, he feels cold at first, and then it melts away warmly into the skin. And, and he's amazed. The redness, it's like fading away and and the swelling it's going down and it looks like the wound is practically healed like it happened a week ago now interesting yeah that's natural that's some amazing ointment it seems very have we seen someone with ointments that successful before nine is pretty good with ointments too yeah it's kind of like hers yeah she continues talking about greatness as this is going on and that he should control his destiny and again, he's reminded of Moraine. So much so that he actually says, Are you by chance Aes Sedai? <laughs> no. Oh, she has a very strong reaction about that. I am no Aes Sedai. And here's a quote from the book. They cower in what they think is safety when they could do so much. They serve when they could rule. Let men fight wars when they could bring order to the world. She clearly has so, a rather disdainful feel of Aes Sedai. Just saying, take out the they could they serve when they could rule part, and that sums up a lot of my issues with the Aes Sedai in these books, which I talk about <laughs> a little bit better in our magic writing episode for the Wheel of Time. Uh, okay. Oh, man. 
And after this little part, Celine moves away, and Ryan's like, oh, did I offend her? Man, why did I bring up the stupid Aes stuff? But she goes and rides with Loyal for a while. And they just keep moving forward. They're getting close to Kinslayer's dagger. They're in the foothills. Uh, yep. And at that point, Loyal pulls up alongside Rand. And, oh, you're not with Selene anymore. Oh, yeah, she was here and now. She's, like, giving each of them equal time. Loyal shares some things he learned while speaking with Selene. First off, she knows a great deal about the Age of Legends, seemingly more than some of the Ogier elders do. Mm. And that she shares, she knows some about this place as well. Um, Rand's actually right that this place is kind of like the ways. Yes, these worlds, these parallel mirror worlds, were studied by the Aes Sedai who grew the ways. So yes, time and distance, they behave much differently here. And there are other parallel worlds, not just this one. Mm -hmm. And time and distance vary between the worlds. And so in, in a way, it's almost lucky that you guys ended up in one where things move faster. You could be walking through one where... You take five steps and it's been five years. We call that the uh, Rip Van Winkle world. <laughs> this world and the others are indeed reflections of the real world. And the closer they are to the real world, the more solid they become. This one is so faded because it is so different. Some of the closer to real worlds, Celine says, actually have people in them, living in them, just like the real mm -hmm. world, the same people. So you could, in essence, go to one of those worlds and meet yourself. And you could do it without breaking everything, apparently. That's right. Just like in the DC universe. Mm -hmm. It's a multiverse theory, but not exactly. It's a faded multiverse. Yes. She knows all these things, she says, because she studied in the Royal Library in Kyrian. And Loyal knows that's one of the greatest libraries in the world. In fact, when the Aeol attacked during the Aeol War. They didn't attack that part. Intentionally, they revered the books of the library. They left that alone. It is such a esteemed place. So apparently Aeol like books too, maybe? Apparently. Selene returns to Rand's side and asks about his skill with the bow. And Rand shares about his trick with the void, you know, that his father mm -hmm. taught him. He goes on to speaking about his sword lessons with Lan, and that he uses the Void there as well. She actually recognizes what he's describing as the Void, but doesn't call it that. No. The term she uses is the Oneness. And she, she says it's best to use it as often as possible. Remain wrapped in that Oneness all the time. By doing so, you'll learn even new ways you can make use of the oneness and, and grow stronger. And Rand's it. like, no thanks, I don't want to touch the one yeah, power. That's where that Sidene thing is. Please, no thanks. I don't want to go mad. Further conversation brings more knowledge out of Selene's mouth. She learned about these things from a specific book called Mirrors of the Wheel. I want to read that book. Hmm. Yeah. It sounds kind of deep. I like it. She calls Loyal and Alantin. Or Alantine. Rand asks about that word, but she changes the subject. <laughs> the stone okay. that brought them into this parallel world, she labels a portal stone. That's not on the nose at all. And she knows where another one is. About nice. an hour from where they are right now, and they should head there so Rand can take her home. Rand, he checks on the trail with Huron, and it's leading in a direction not the way Selene says we should go to get to that stone. So he restates, I must follow the horn. And she doesn't like that. I can take you to the stone, 
but I, I can't take you through the stone to your home. I have to continue on my trek. So the best I can do, I'll get you the stone and you do what you need to do. I mean, you got here, you can get yourself back. And she's, no, not happy with that at all. No. But at this point then, they hear trouble. Turns out a pack of five Grom are on their trail and they can see them now half a mile away, kind of fanned out. Mm-hmm. Like they're trapping them in, coming at them. They're on the hunt and end of chapter. Yep. Chapter 17, Choices, picks right up in the same spot. Rand says, we have to make a run for it and confirms Hurin can still follow the trail while they're galloping. He's like, yep, I got it. Mm-hmm. So here we go. But Celine's like, it's no good. We can outrun Grom. In my brain, Grom show up and roll for initiative. <laughs> She says, either you have to kill them or we need to go elsewhere. And like I said, the portal stone, we can use it to go literally elsewhere. That's our answer. And Rand's like, nope, I have a mission here. So instead, he looks around and he sees nearby a low round hill with no trees on top. And he gallops them Mm -hmm. there. It's a nice vantage point. You get a little bit of height. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good place to kind of hold up, make a stand. They dismount, and Loyal and Hiran get their weapons ready, the quarterstaff. Hiran has like a sword breaker, uh, some sort of thing to just kind of club weapons away. And Rand, he gets his bow ready. And he takes his arrows. I kind of picture he's sticking arrows in the ground in front of him, ready mm-hmm. to go. And as soon as the Grom reach shooting distance, Rand reaches out to the void, still senses Sidene, but he resists it, and he shoots. And foomp, 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 foomp. Five arrows in a row, five dead Grom. Good job, Void. Yeah, Loyal and Huron are like, you the man! And they're very impressed. But Rand, he's like, then, as it's done feeling the tug the call the pull of sidine and he reaches out to it and sidine the light that he senses it surrounds him it fills him and he's warmed and then huron's like uh lord rand are you okay and poof sidine's gone we're good thanks thanks huron we appreciate it Celine comments at this point knowingly the more you live in the oneness easier it grows well thankfully that danger is over so he doesn't need to be in this oneness anymore and then they hear more grom many more grom Celine insists they head to the portal stone she's like how many arrows do you have dude we can't i mean uh, this is a whole massive pack and loyal's like uh yeah we can't manage rand's like he's fine He's probably still got at least 14 more. No, 13. But there's a good 30 Grom by the sounds of it. It's a crowd of them. It's yeah. it's not, even if he has perfect shot, he's not going so to be able to overcome So you're telling me he's not Legolas? No. And he has no sidekick dwarf. Again, not a sidekick. <laughs> so... They follow Celine to where she knows where the stone is. And when they get there, it's another hollow with the colored, multicolored steps. And and they go down right to where the stone is. And he's like, okay, 
I got nothing. She's like, okay, I can't use the stone, but I know how it works. I I mean, I know what these symbols are. So she describes the symbols that have to do with their world. And he touches the stone and he channels. He, you know, reaches to the source and tries to pour it into the symbols she's described. And then he's filled with light and, and that light pours into the stone and flicker. 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 It's like a tongue twister. We got a whole strobe effect going on. This and is Rand, when the episodes feels... will have epilepsy warnings on them. <laughs> Maybe. And he feels heat and burning and pain and then, then nothing. Celine is pulling her hands off the stone. Well, pulling his, his hands. His hands, sorry. And they've made it. They're back. And she's even amazed. She looks around and they're all there. Loyal, hearing all the horses... She's like, you did it. And her her eyes are big. And she says to Rand, you are surely destined for great things. Great. Let's and, just not talk about that. Yeah, Rand's like, you know, I don't even know what I did. So let's keep this all on the down low. Please don't tell people about this portal stone thing, all right? We don't talk about it. And she agrees to keep his secret again. Rand is disappointed, though. Okay, we're safe. We made it away from the groan, but we've just lost the freaking Horn of Elier. And the dagger, they hadn't mentioned that to Selene yet. He doesn't bring it up, but he's thinking it. The dagger that Matt needs is gone. And then she drops some new knowledge again that she learned in the Mirrors of the Wheel book. Mm-hmm. We may not have lost the horn after all. She suggests that the oddness to what Huron was sensing on that trail was that he wasn't following the Dark Friend's trail. Rather... They're carrying the Horn of Alir, which mm-hmm. is a very significant thing and would leave a mark yep. even in the future. So you were sensing where they were going, you not where they'd been. Remembering, but rather foreseeing. prophesying, foreseeing, yeah. sensing what is yet to be. Things like that in the mirror world work that way. So Because says, it is what could be. All we need to do is wait a few days near where Huron last sense the trail and see when Fane and the gang show up and Rand's like well shouldn't we take you home first or something nah a few more days not gonna be a problem well okay and she highlights you know I'd like still to see you know touch the horn of Alir and she highlights again the man who sounds the horn will live in legend forever wouldn't you want to do yeah. that? She keeps like calling Rand the greatness and Rand's like, uh, uh, no thanks. And an odd thing here though, Rand keeps having those disagreements, different perspectives on these things and Celine keeps tossing at him. But at the same time, he keeps still just thinking about how nice it'd be to kiss her. I mean, she's hot. <laughs> He's such a guy. So they prepare to make camp for the night somewhere close to the trail so they can observe if the dark friends arrive and... Fun line here. Huron says, I vow, I'll never sleep again without first I see what kind of stone there is nearby. (laughs) It's a great line. Honestly, good advice. Lines to live by. Check your stones first. Okay, final (laughs) (laughs) check. Okay. Oh, you got that. If you don't know why we're laughing, we are not going to describe that one. Final chapter for today. Right, stones? (laughs) Great stones. Okay. Uh, 18. To the White Tower. We're leaving Rand and Co. and going back to Egwene. Naive. Oh, they're incorporated? 
company. And a oh, bunch right. of Aes Sedai as they sail down Oops. the Aranin towards Tarvalon. They've been at it for a few days and expect to reach Tarvalon today. I mean, to be fair, they're going with the river and... Uh, Making floods again. They're also going very fast They're with pushing the river. with the power. We learn a few things quickly through their conversation. Uh, Nanit doesn't like boats. No, boats don't go well for her. She's been very seasick. It actually makes me wonder a little bit what her level of like motion sickness is, because she's been fine as far as we've seen with like horses especially she had to have galloped basically yeah, but all the you way and to i know very well being on a boat is a different feel have you ever ridden a horse yes i have okay because i have too and did you get motion sick on a horse no to the most part boats and horses are fine oh yeah the for only, the most part the only time but I've there was that halibut trip. Was that one time when we're on this small little boat in 10 to 12 foot swells wow should we tell them about that i mean we've hinted and you know maybe catch catch in with us this later is the series and we'll of tangents you know. though <laughs> it's it's the world of if yeah so we did live in alaska for a while and when you live in alaska fishing is a big deal so one time we arranged to go out to do some halibut fishing and we are on a relatively small boat going out into the ocean and the waves were bad. The weather was fine, but not the swells. And we hit this, yeah, point where there was 10 to 12 foot swells. You know, you're down at the bottom and you can't see past the waves. And, and it was like a six person charter boat. Yeah, little thing. And oh, we're just turning so green. We finally, the captain's like, okay, we're going to go somewhere else where it's a little calmer. And we're like, good call. By the time we get there, though, we're feeling pretty seasick. And then we discover something new that's bad. When you stop, put down anchor, even if the waves are not so bad, which they weren't anymore, the boat still rocks. <laughs> and so we start fishing, and Zach is pulling up his first halibut and throwing up over the boat at the same time. Now, a little later, I took my turn. Too, but <laughs> And he, you did again. <laughs> yeah, no, but he likes to really share and emphasize that I was still reeling in the fish. Oh, he never stopped reeling in the fish. <laughs> he's losing his lunch, but he's still bringing in the fish. It was anyway, good. tangent aside, <laughs> back to the book. Poor Nynaeve. Because uh, having been seasick that one time. It's not great. That's not a feeling I, I wish on anyone. Um, but Egwene, She's been seasick for days. On the other hand, <laughs> not seasick, but... No. But still having dreams. Yeah. She's troubled by her dreams. Every night she's dreamed of Rand. And that Rand is in danger. And like he's done things that are maybe even making the danger worse. The man in the mask, the fiery eyes is still around. Uh, in fact, she interacted with the man with the fiery eyes and he laughed at her contemptuously. Great. Like, <laughs> you. <laughs> That's why I have a pop filter right there. <laughs> Anaya Sedai, she knows about these dreams. Egwene says here that she will be tested at the White Tower for the possibility that she is a, capital D, dreamer. And at the moment, right here and now, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. It's in theory. <laughs> at this point, they have a surprise visit. The Amerlin seat comes into their cabin. I mean, they were on her boat. And she's here to provide their daily lesson 
She's not done that before. She herself is here to give a lesson. And uh, Nanive's not going to stick around for this one. She's yeah, like, peace I'll, out. I'm I'll good. go. I'll go. She's like, sit down. Oh. So where all the other ones kind of gave Nanive an option, the Amerlin's like, no, 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 girl. Sit your butt down. And Nanive's like, you know, I was thinking to leave, but, you know, I think I want to stay. <laughs> she makes it like it's her, her decision. Yeah, it was. Yeah, she chose whatever to works stay. for you, girl. All right. So the Amerlin takes the girls through some lessons. These lessons are kind of brutal. She mentions to Nynaeve that it's important you have lessons too, but, you know, uh, you are older than a typical novice, and Mm -hmm. you have clearly some power, girl. The plan is that we take you right to accepted level of Aes Sedai, whereas Egwene's going to be a novice, Nynaeve accepted. But nevertheless, there's things you need to learn. There's a whole tier of things, and to be accepted, you have to go through a test. What that is, eh. We don't know yet, but it is a process that you have to be ready for. As the lesson begins, Nynaeve starts venting about these stupid lessons. Reach for the blossom. Make a little tiny flame in your palm. Feel like a petal. It's like, and she's like, I'd rather somebody just teach me how to use the sword. This be more useful than this crap. Let me stab somebody. And the Amerlin's like, um... Why would you need a sword? And she creates a sword of air in front of her. Sharp. This is a massive sword, but it's made of the one power. And then she says, you know, I could do this, but it'd be actually more useful to me like this. And suddenly it shrinks down to a paring knife, (laughs) like you Mm -hmm. chop your fruit with. Cut up your apple. And then she says... But neither of those are really necessary when your eyes to die. And suddenly both the girls are wrapped up in invisible bands of air and they cannot move except for their heads. Yeah, and so that that always struck me as a, a thing. When you th- think she like is making... Do you think she's making it they can be seen? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, because it describes it as a bluish white light. Yeah, it's a weird thing because almost always when we see... I said I using things of air. Um, we don't actually see it. We see the effect. And yet this, she clearly wanted them to see. Mm-hmm. So thus she made it so it could be seen. I'm sure that was a choice. But she says, you know, why would you need a sword? If a man tries to attack you, you just immobilize him like this. And then if you still want to, you know, kill him, which, like, you shouldn't, then you just slit the throat while he's tied up. Nynaeve is not happy with this object lesson. She's like, let me go. Release me. And the Amberlin, she ignores her and just keeps uh, lecturing on the things that you should know about the one power. She says, you know, in fact, you have the man trapped like this. You can even pick him up and put him where you need to. And Nynaeve floats off the ground. And she's getting madder and madder. And as the Amberlin keeps yammering on, Nynaeve loses her cool enough that Suddenly, the Amerlin gets flung across the cabin, slammed against the wall, and is trapped there by air. Can we say concussion? Nynaeve is using the same kind of weave that the Amerlin did to her. They are slammed. You know, she's immobilized by air, and, well, basically, Swan is as well, slammed up against this wall. And, unfortunately for Nynaeve, Swan is happy about it she is she says i had been told about how quickly you learn 
and also that you needed to get mad in order to actually access the true source. This is great. Um, how about we release each other at the same time now? And Nynaeve, nope, she's reading her her rights and going off and and then suddenly Nynaeve oh, looks shocked and Swan is fine. She's no longer up against the wall and she says, see, you uh you don't know everything you think you know yet. Because yeah. the Amerlin has just slammed a shield down on she her. She has blocked her. She cannot reach the true source anymore. That sucks. And you know what Nynaeve is thinking right now. How do I do that? Yeah. <laughs> See, I was thinking she was thinking, where's the knife? But... <laughs> she might have been thinking that too. <laughs> now, if you really go to the next level, Nynaeve's a fast learner. She probably knows how to make a knife out of air right now. Probably. <laughs> but is she mad enough? Now, after probably. this little object lesson, the real lesson begins. And when the lesson is over and Swan has left, Egwene and Nynaeve are exhausted no other Aes Sedai has worked them this hard in their lessons. No, but Swan was very effective and absolutely a jerk. And brutal. Nynaeve is furious. Which is good. Because the Amerlin did things to her to perpetually keep her angry. Good. So she could access the true source. Yeah. And some of these things were embarrassing, humiliating, horrible tasting. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, to Egwene, we will not talk about this ever again. Okay. I I like to come back to this moment when I read New Spring. Yeah. I can't say why. <laughs> okay. At least not for like 10 books, but it's it's really nice. We get the the final point here though that Nynaeve is like I'm so thankful I will not have to be a novice and go through lessons like this. Since I'll get to be raised to accept it right away. Thank goodness. And then there's a thump and then the movement of the boat changes, and they've arrived. They go up on deck, and they see the island city of Tarvalon. And in the distance, they can also see Dragon Mount. This ridiculously high single mountain in the midst of flat plains. The place where the dragon died. I would like to say, I mean, yeah, it's flat plains. There's some small hills right at the base. I mean, right here, the book doesn't describe any other small no, hills. No, but we saw them. Huh. We saw them. It was mentioned. <laughs> Everyone begins disembarking the ship. No one seems to have a thought or a care for Gwen and Nynaeve. It's like they don't exist anymore. So they're like, well, I guess we got to take care of ourselves. They go back to their cabin. They grab their things. They come back up on deck. They ask one of the sailors, uh, would you get our horses, please? And Oh, no, they're already ahead of you. Yeah, they've all been taken to the White Tower. Oh, do you have business at the tower? Uh, you, oh, you better get moving. They don't have much patience for people who are late. So, okay, woo. the girls get off the ship, and then they're like, oh, yeah, they're gawking at the city, and this place is amazing. Truthfully, we are too a little bit. It's the first time we get to see it. While they're staring at everything around them, they hear a voice behind them, and it's an Aes Sedai, and it turns out to be Sherium, the mistress of novices. How do you say that? Sherium. Oh. How do you say it? Sherium. Huh. I couldn't say which is the correct pronunciation at this point. You're probably right. I don't know. Could be Sherium. I, I like Sherium. I like mine. I'm just it's probably pretty close. wrong. We learn from Sherium that novices who break the rules are sent to her study. We don't know what that means. It sounds kind of ominous. 
accepted, she says to Nynaeve, because mm-hmm. she's learned Nynaeve is supposed to jump straight to accepted, which is kind of unheard of, but accepted can be sent to my study as well. They just have to break more rules. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, Egwene becoming a novice. Yay! That brings us up to 40, which is a woefully small number. Is it? Yeah, that's what Shiriam says. We don't have that many novices compared to what once was. Especially because one in four are likely not to make it even to accepted. So we're looking at maybe 10 that will reach accepted, and then from there, will some of them won't them make, it, make die it to die. Yeah, yeah. So in the current training, which isn't necessarily this crop of this month or something. No, this is the span years, of years often we're looking at eventually in 10 years maybe we'll have maybe eight new Aes Sedai yay now they live for hundreds of years and that's a good thing but huh, still numbers don't look great the chapter ends with a touch of humor Nynaeve in a moment of sympathy for what awaits Egwene as a novice she asks Shiriam is it truly does it really have to be so hard for her and Shiriam responds that, what, like you experienced Nynaeve with the Amerlin today? Oh, don't worry. <laughs> Novice training. It's not nearly that bad. Yours will be. Yeah, what you experienced, that's what accepted get in the first few weeks. <laughs> Nynaeve, you're screwed. <laughs> and that's what we'll end for today. Uh, again, hope you've enjoyed it. If you aren't a subscriber yet and you'd like to hear more of us yapping about this stuff, please subscribe. And just like Jake did, and we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell us what you're thinking of what we're doing. And if you do just want to tell us how we're doing. Yeah, you don't want to tell the whole world. Just want to tell us. You can email us at fantasyfortheages at gmail.com. Or reach out to us through any social medias, be it Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or talking with us directly on Discord. Now, if you're like, Discord, what's that? It's this free app, uh, application on mobile and desktop computers. It works great. The first time I got into it, I was like, what? And I got into it because I heard of it on a podcast. Hmm. It's not scary. Okay, check out Discord. It's cool. Come be part of our community. We also would welcome you to become one of our patrons and be able to participate in our live recordings, come and listen live and chat with us during these. And there are a lot of other benefits that happen, but becoming a patron through our Patreon page means you're willing to give us a little bit of money. And that money goes to offset things we're pouring into this podcast, the cost of our equipment, our hosting costs, you know, things that we're happy to do because we just love doing this. Oh yeah. But if you want to just next level you know you, you could email us and say boy," or you could throw us a dollar a month and say boy," and it just has a little more meaning <laughs> so we welcome you to become part of our patreon family if that's something that interests you anything else Zach? i've got nothing then that's what we'll stop for today thanks for being with us and we'll talk to you next time